Everyone knows you should never take a physicist to a sci-fi movie. The same can be said about a biologist and a creature feature. We can point out how certain things are biologically unlikely or downright impossible, but that would be boring. So rather than pointing out what can't happen, why not ask ourselves, what if it was real? So using my super nerd levels of knowledge about biology, physics, and mythical creatures, my friends and I will explore how different creatures could have actually evolved on our planet and what they potentially would look like. Greetings and salutations, my friends, and welcome to A Real Creature Feature. My name is Mac. What the hell is this? I, I'm Mike, but I'm very confused. Not as confused as Dean, it appears. Well, yeah, I, there's no picture, so I can't even say what the hell is this. It was the voice. You're not, you're not telling me that Mac's very calm, dulcet tones didn't throw you off? Oh, I thought he was posting I was a picture. I was prepared for yelling and violence and and fisticuffs. No, the picture will and, come later. And he just oh, has yeah. a, and he just has a nice like herbal tea NPR entry. What what is this? I now just... I'm mad. <laughs> That's that was the point. Oh. And I'm Dean. We're gonna do ASMR today. <laughs> oh, oh God! How dare you? How dare you, sir? <laughs> Now I have to edit that out, and you're not you here anymore. Not have you're to. not here anymore. You're gone. Mutant. Uh, Mutant. Uh, cut from the podcast completely. Everything's just going to be like long <laughs> swaths of <laughs> silence <laughs> where you were talking. Oh, and so uh, today we'll be talking about gnomes. Genomes. The little people of the woods. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, Michael, what do you know about gnomes? Um, far less than, far less than Dean, because even yeah. he has more data than I do, but I, I only know gnomes from two perspectives. One is, uh, from an old, uh, from an old Canadian television series called David the Gnome, which was something that you used to watch when you were a kid, at least when yeah. you were our age. Yeah. Uh, the other one is, uh, from a very, very weird movie called a a gnome named Norm, spelled G-N-O-R-M. Was it voiced by Norm Macdonald? No. That, ah. would have, that would have been at least better. But no, it's, it's actually about this. It's a weird movie about this cop who ends up finding a gnome who, by the way, pronounces it gnome. And that's like the whole hook. And so like the, the gnome tries to help him solve a crime. So that they can all both be better off because the the gnome is trying to find something. But the gnome is not even like like not very small either. Like like uh, clearly played by a little person, but not, you know. Okay, so it's live action. Okay. I was about to yeah, say no, it's not even a movie yet. No, it's a live action because Anthony Michael Hall plays the detective. And he's good in it. I like him, but I like Anthony Michael Hall. That was like in his transition phase from being in like the john hughes movies going into like something out going into like his like more serious phase he wasn't quite out of it yet but what was it special unit two on uh U upn they had a care a little person who they had play as a gnome ah and he was a scumbag <laughs> ah in real life i don't know I, I just or the know character it. the character was just you know the 
the oh. street smart guy, tough guy with heart of gold, that kind of. Oh, Danny Woodburn. I love that guy. He always plays the scumbag. Yeah. Okay, Dean. Now, what do you know about Noon? Well, it is a very obvious line from Trolls to Trees. In a troll print, trolls turn to gnomes when they find Christ in their hearts. Yes. I forgot about this, by the way, but now that he said it, it's all flooding back in. Oof. So because the troll prince goes into a house where there's two little girls, they take a Bible ornament off of the tree, give it to him. He gets put in jail by his two-headed father um, and his mouth, who has hair curlers made out of rats. And he gets put onto court court uh put into court to go on trial and then he recites a bunch of christianity do unto others as you would have them do unto you i believe the trolls go do unto others before they can do unto you i believe is their rule um anyways I thought their golden rule is whoever has the gold makes the rules yep um and then and then because trolls always you know, from classic mythology with, like, the classic movie Troll, where a bunch of Scandinavians are hunting down trolls. The trolls only eat human Christians. So No, they eat everything. It well, it's specifically they they're looking smell. for Christian could, blood. Well, they could smell them easier. Yeah, so they're specifically going after human Christians. They become Christians, and then they turn into gnomes. And then gnomes, after living for 400 years, have to turn into trees, which makes their fox cry. But the fox gets adopted by another younger troll fam uh, gnome family. And the David the Gnome is fighting against his biological aunt's uh, uh, cousins, the trolls, in that. So it's all connected. Did you just smush two different things together? Yes. No. Okay, good. No, it's it's all in one line. It goes troll to tree. That's how we get our trees, is we have to convert the trolls to Christianity. Even before Christianity happened, there were saints who would go to the trolls and can convince them about the future Christianity that will be happening and join us. You can be gnomes look like little Santa Clauses in the woods, or if you're in Harry Potter, look like little potato people, get your feet picked up and swung around and thrown, but you still come back to that hole because that's how you got to do it. And then also when you're in gravity falls, you're part of a hive species where you try and get little 11-year-olds to fall in love with you. 12? 12-year-olds 12 yeah. to fall in love with you and become the gnome queen. Mac, you really missed out if you haven't watched Gravity Falls. No, I have. I've watched, I've watched Gravity Falls. I yeah. just couldn't remember how because that was an earlier episode. That was the first episode yeah. and their pilot. And yeah. every gnome's greatest fear ever since the beginning of time have been leaf blowers. 
That makes what sense. About, what about underpants and gnomes? What do they? Well, they still wear leaf blowers, but they rarely spend time because they all do their work at night. They're they're too. They've lost their Christianity. They've gone to consumerism. I thought they would it's go back. No, they haven't gotten there yet because they haven't figured it out. Yeah. Well, no, they got to figure it out. You got to get the underpants so that you can make profit. Question yeah. mark profit. They got to fill in the they question gotta mark. They got to figure first. it out. They know how profit works. It's just they've given up their Christianity for the love of profit. So you don't go back to being a troll if you give they up the They become something else. Yeah, you they become underpants come. gnomes. Yeah, you become underpants gnomes. And you're stuck in a little town in Colorado. That is just a smattering. No, it's a very clear, concise line that goes from trolls. I don't think you will know what the definition of concise is. Concise. Very simple. It flows. You got that line there. You got that line there. I showed you all the little beads that go along that string that connect the two. Dean, if I may, I can I can make it concise. So trolls are trolls are there first. They become Christians, which make them become gnomes. Gnomes go through their lives, and then they become trees. That's consistent. That's concise, baby. Yeah, that's concise. Though, I do have to say, because I'm like, it, well, it's always one of those things, too. It's like, you know, where you could just have, it, oh, they're the special trees rather than all trees. Yeah. Uh, because it was like. They can't be all trees. Yeah. There are trees older than Christianity still around. Yeah. But it still happened. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, you there are saints who have time traveled and brought Christianity back to the beginning of the world. It's all there there in the literature. There was one saint that I do know that like one of the things that they were able to do was be in it two places at once, which could technically like how you approach it would be time travel too. Okay, so this is from SalisburyGreenhouse.com. Uh, mysterious mythology of garden gnomes, and these are just like some random articles that I looked at. Uh, and it was like gnomes, those miniature folks with the billy goat beards, are mythical beings with strange and interesting background. What gnomes are they talking about? I will tell you, Billy. Uh, w- when I think of beards on gnomes, it's usually the big Santa, puffy yeah. Santa Claus, not a billy goat gruff. Yeah, I don't know that either, but yeah. Um, the word gnome comes from Latin gnomus, or maybe it is gnomus, I don't know, uh, or Greek, gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. Yes, gnosis would be gnosis? correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah because uh, it's in the family of Gnostics. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, which it ha- have roots in the ancient Greek world, word for knowledge of hidden treasures. Um, an earth dweller. Traditionally, gnomes are closely linked to the mythology of the classic elements, earth, fire, wind, water, and were said to be nocturnal uh, protectors of the earth. Legend has it that gnomes live underground where they guard nearby plant life, as well as their personal stashes of buried treasure. Why do they always want buried treasure? Uh, rays of sunshine can turn gnomes into stone. Really? According to this, but I don't. I, that was the first time I've ever. Maybe. Heard it. Oh, that's because that's the prehistoric gnomes where they were of troll descent. So once yeah. they found Christ, they could walk in the sunlight. 
There we go. Uh, most folklore referred to gnome-like beings um, originate primarily in Europe stories like German uh, gnome, Iceland, Voltaire. I don't know. Uh, they also threw in leprechauns. Uh, and then Scandinavian uh, Tomte or Nessa, Nisi. However, there are also references uh, to similar beings in Japanese mythology, yokai. Yeah. Basically, there are so many different creatures around the world that kind of fit this kind of weird narrative. Uh, according to traditions, where responsible gnomes were responsible for a lot of hidden processes of plants which is actually kind of an interesting idea it's like well we didn't know how plants work so oh this is how it worked gnomes that makes me think of the tradition where people would build homes for small creatures that would guard their fields and help their um, produce grow and then like after seven years, they boarded up the windows and doors to lock the creatures in because after uh, seven, three, whatever, you know, your classic traditional magical number of years, mm -hmm. uh, they would become harmful. Yeah. They would turn from brownies into poltergeists or what have you sort of yeah, feeling. Uh, or like, um, or also if you don't treat them right always they will turn on you uh there's a lot of different cultures with their that basic one idea where they're not always malevolent or benevolent they kind of just do their thing um in russian or slavic folklore there is the uh domovoy which is like a house spirit and whose wife is the kikimaru think yeah. or, oh. or or it's a or it's a word that's very similar um cuz they talk they talk about them in the witcher series but then they talk about that's not a kikimaru that's a kikimura or something like that and uh which they don't look anything like that <laughs> but they are considering better for but for the domovoy they're house spirits that like cigars and stuff like that but if you mistreat them they become a poltergeist poltergeist basically they will haunt your house and you don't want that but then yeah in this they have it um uh in this is the scandifiction.com. Uh, and this one, like, I have it highlighted for that purpose. Um, in some frightening tales about gnomes, people say that these creatures could kill off livestock and destroy family fortunes if they were upset or irked. I don't know if this, if this is uh, an appropriate term for, for like... Oh yeah, I'm gonna destroy your entire family because I was irked. Well, I mean, there's been spirits who do that. That plays into them being of the spiritual world where they've got blue and orange morality, yeah. Morality versus black and white morality. Yeah. And that's part of it is once you convert them to the black and white morality, they leave that orange and blue morality behind, and then you're able to understand them better. So you don't irk them so much. Ah, okay. Gnome, yeah, gnomes are also uh, associated with mischievous behavior and prank. Gnomes can sometimes stand for good fortune, respect, and care in Scandinavian homes. Stories about these creatures often talk about how much they appreciate people looking after their properties and farms. 
and being good to the animals. So yeah, let's get. Uh, so there's also another creature creature that it's really interesting because of like how they're always depicted. Um, depending on which story you're listening to, they are also. It's another Slavic creature. It is called the Leshy. Um, in um, Witcher, they have them too as the Leshen, but they are drastically different than what they are in actual Slavic folklore. Uh, some of them, they are basically just, they kind of look like, well, in the sense that they have horns and uh, goat legs. They're very pan or the devil. Like that's how they're kind of looks, but they could be convinced to watch your herds and they were like could also be protectors of the um forests but then they also sometimes want to eat your soul but not like really like that's like that's somehow like how some of them appear it's like they're like you know i would like to eat your soul but i don't really need that kind of appearance and sometimes they want to tickle you to Neat. I'm all full on baby souls today, but I could I could nibble on your soul a little bit if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, let's talk about some of the appearances. Uh since gnomes are supposed to be spirits of farm owners, uh their aesthetic matches that idea. Most gnomes are described as little old men, no more than three feet tall. They usually have long, white, or gray beards, and they were typically Scandinavian colors. Uh, war, where? Oh, that's why. Uh, they had a were instead of where. Hmm. So light brown, navy, gray. Some traditionals have bright red caps, which also makes you think of the red cap. Yeah. Um. So this is one of the things that I, when I was thinking about it, um. Uh, this is the first thing I wrote was how many woodland creatures are actually nice? Like, as in like, will they, will they get you out of a pinch or no, that they would, they've never like, like, you know, squirrels, squirrels, people like, Oh, they're nice and everything. But you know, they're kind of vicious little monsters. If that's your definition of nice, then deer are nice. Cause they run away from most things. Unless you have a kit, unless they're trying to, unless you're encroaching on like a spot where they leave their kids. Yeah. Or it's mating season. Yeah, but I mean, for the most part, deer are relatively skittish. They tend to they tend to leave an area rather than stay and fight in one. So I was thinking of like different characteristics of the gnome. Like what what one one of the things that they are known for being underground. So I was like, oh okay. Then I I looked up some uh burrowing animals, and basically so. This is what I was talking about earlier. Uh, this is probably the first creature that, like, I kind of came up with, like, before I thought about the show, but it inspired, so it inspired it. And this was my first idea of a gnome. Ah, that's a that's a real furry weirdo. That is a that is a that is a puppet master drill style head right there too. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll establish later. So I, uh, so I was just looking up random other facts for the particular creature that I was going to um, incorporate in what I thought of. What's our state animal? Badgers. Our badgers. Badgers, badgers, badgers. Yeah. Even though that in that that was a European badger. Yeah. Ours was ours the Kermath badger. I, I love our badger. Oh yeah, but a tiny little furry thing. 
that lives underground. Yeah. That's kind of so, gnomish. Yeah. And then so incorporating all those other things about no about badgers. Yeah. So, so I kind of I like that idea. So what you're saying is is that badgers are gnomes. Yes. Or at least in the my universe where I'm building these things. I just like the idea of it evolving from a badger like creature. Ah, yes. And then so what I was incorporating like with other design aspects. So like the hat in the picture I have drawn, it's it's more more of a bone like a uh, cap. And um, so there is a particular type of creature that has something kind of similar to that. Now, I just want you to say this word. This word. Ah. Ah. Well, that depends on if that's supposed to be a hard C at the start or not. It's Sicilian. I'm going to say Sicilian. Yeah, there is a type of amphibians called a Sicilian. Now, if you look them up, you're just going to think they're worms. Oh, they have eyes, though. They can't be worms. And also, but it's because of how their bodies look. Yeah. It's that they have those those rings. So a cool thing about Sicilians is most Sicilians live underground, where they use their pointy snoot and strong skull to burrow the soil, uh, um, burrow through the soil. So I was like, oh, the cap is to break up the soil in front of them so that they can keep burrowing and everything else like that. And I just like that idea of this, like incorporating that. Just make them salamanders with hard skulls. Yeah, pretty much. And claws and fur, because they're underground, yeah. so they need the warmth. Yeah. Well, then how did these, uh, then how did the, then how did the Sicilians do it? Oh, no, are gnomes, are gnomes Italian stereotypes? <laughs> no, they'd be Sicilian stereotypes, which is actually where the mob came from, I guess. Ah, yeah. But yeah, I, I just really liked that dumb idea. And then uh, later on today, I was actually thinking about it. So if you look at like um, a mole from like a top from a top down point of view, where like you're looking at its back, so you're seeing the tip of its nose down to its feet. Yeah. I'm like, what shape does a mole's head kind of look like? Kind of like a pointy head. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that'd be kind of cool, too, where you could just actually have it that it is just a big old mole. And so it's like where they have like the people who are like witnessing these creatures is that that's what they see poking out are these moles. Yeah. Ah, that would make sense. I can see that. So rather than it being a vicious little monster, like I have depicted, it is uh, just a curious little monster. Doesn't, I mean, I mean, define vicious. He's not attacking me. Uh, in the, in the picture that I have drawn, he is defending his territory and is ready to jump at you. Oh, that's fine. That's that's on me apparently because that's my that's that, that's gnome territory. Yeah, there should be a sign. I was just looking up the books that I had as a kid. These are the Woodland Folk series of books, and that's how I know gnomes. And I've never heard, you know, I've never heard any actual myths about gnomes so i only know them ever living in mushrooms like smurfs yeah smurfs are living in trees or all above ground so so for me this (laughs) as soon as you started going off on the whole underground thing i'm like hmm those bees have rocket packs 
Oh yeah, they do. I did not notice that. That otter is a mermaid. That snail. Oh, that snail and turtle switched shells. That's wow. Yeah, there was an evil. Uh, there was an evil fairy who I think messed with their, uh, with the woodland critters. That rabbit and fox switched tails. But this is like a diagram of their home, homes. Ah, they're living better than we are. How dare they? Yeah, but they have to use a bicycle to take a shower. Look, I could do it if it would save me on electricity and water. I don't have to pay for that stuff. Yeah, but it looks like you'd just be showering with your own wastewater. It's like taking a it's like taking a bath, but with extra steps. I don't know. I like to have a little man soup, you know. <laughs> My favorite was the the woodland folk meat in our uh, woodland folk in uh, Dragonland. So they meet their counterparts that are all dragons and uh, dinosaurs and whatnot. Neat. That's pretty cool. That's a cool part. Um, the American badger has been seen working with a coyote in tandem while hunting. Typically, this pairing is one badger to one coyote. However, one study found 9% of sightings include two coyotes and one badger to one badger, while 1% of one badger to three coyotes. Researchers have found that coyotes benefit by an increased catch rate um, uh, by 33% if the yeah. badger's involved. And it will be difficult to see uh, precisely how the badger badger benefits the badger has been noted to spend more time underground and active uh badgers are also thought to expand expend less energy while hunting than in burrow hmm. so when they're saying that the code coyotes are have an increased hunting rate does that mean like the badger goes into rodents holes and that stuff and scares them out or well, maybe uh, sighting could be a 30 increase catch rate yeah yeah that could actually be it according to research this partnership works due to different hunting styles of the predators and how their prey reacts to them ground squirrels upon spotting coyote crawl into a hole to escape while upon seeing the badger ground squirrels will climb out of the hole and use its speed to outrun the badger Hunting in tandem raises the prey vulnerability, and both predators win. Hmm. You can't hide if I can go down with to you. Oh no! Well, I can run away from you, but I can't run away from a coyote. That That's, is interesting. That is pretty cool. I'm. Yeah. I, I I know that sometimes they have some those really interesting symbiotic relationships that have occurred. Yeah, because I'm like I remember seeing a, a video or a gif or whatever of a badger and a coyote hanging out in like a storm drain. Uh, I didn't know anything more about that. I didn't know that that was actually a thing. Yeah. Kind of cool. That was makes you wonder, it makes me wonder how, some, how they learned to come up with that solution. Why do you even make a deal with animals that don't speak? Grunts. But yeah, it's kind of cool because, because it was like, what is the temperament of, I, this is one of those things that I was, Who's more uh, temperamental, uh, uh, 
Wolverine or a badger? As far as I understand, I thought it was the Wolverine was yeah. more temperamental. Cause at least that's always been my belief based off of cartoons. Well, not just cartoons, but like the few things I've learned about. I know that they I know that Wolverines tend to stink more than badgers. They they have a might pungent musk from what yeah. I remember. Mm. But it's it's just that thing of, you know, in so much of our own like media literate like in our own like media literacy, you rarely ever hear about a badger being, you know, other than honey badger. But honey badger just seems more chill in all of that. Like honey badger don't care. Snake bite him? Nah. But Wolverine, it's like we have a character literally in the Mar- in the Marvel universe, an X Man named Wolverine, who is very short tempered and violent. We don't have the Badger, you know, being short tempered and violent. Well, part of that could be that he is sh- can canonically shorter. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he also is supposed to be Canadian as well. Yeah. So it's like, well, there goes that Canadian myth. Yeah, and then the more you learn about his particular backstory, the more you're like, uh, yeah, oh, Badgers can only run 19 miles an hour. Wow, Wolverine's gonna run up to 30. It seems like to me it's like just at least when they talk about the honey badger, it seems like the Wolverine has the edge over the honey badger. Well, they're both they're all weasels. How dare you, sir? They're all part of the weasel family. Is the gnome a weasel too? Then. We have it that evolved from one of the common species, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, we've already seen, like, hairy guy with, uh, you know, we, we've seen a little... Yeah, hairy guy with the beard. So, yeah. yeah, that's why I was like, I like the idea of just this hairy little quadruped. Yeah. That's digging around in the dirt. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, like, just based off your picture. And, I mean, other than, you know, like, the super-duper flat teeth. Yeah, that one I I just gave it so that you know it, just because it has um, claws and everything else doesn't mean that it has to be a carnivore. Yeah, it could be eating roots, and that's what it's digging for. So it has more yeah. grinding teeth. Ah, why are you chewing on them roots, little guy? Because they're delicious. I like the big bushy eyebrows on your drawing. Yeah, I have a tendency to drop big eyebrows when the thing's furry. Yeah, see, but it's like unless. Like, and I've looked at animal species, like most animal species don't have eyebrows, although they do end up with certain like sometimes structures that kind of look like eyebrows. Yeah, there's one of the uh, otter videos that I've seen is of a otter named Kataro. Mm -hmm. It has like it has whisker hairs that go over its eyes, kind of like eyebrows, like it's got big bushy eyebrows. Yeah. Also, I th- I think when I was drawing it, I thought it would look weird if I didn't have something there. Well, since we're humans and that stuff, that plays into the whole yeah. thing where it's like, uh, I think back to Mass Effect and how you had the blue aliens are hairless and whatnot, but they yeah. have patterns on their eyebrows. Yeah. To give that feel. Yeah, we or the main reason why like uh our realistic um mermaids won't look anything like mermaids would be depicted. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, oh if we get I'm not gonna get we can't get into the Asari right now. No, they, yeah. They were they, they were literally made they were literally created to be appealing to almost every other species during that phase. Yes. 
But I mean, it also plays into our facial recognition as a mm-hmm. relatively recent adaptation. Yeah. For as far as humans are concerned. Yeah. And we have people who can't recognize faces or that stuff because their adaptation has gone glitched. Yeah. And since it's a newer adaptation, it can have more uh, unintended side effects. Yeah. The uncanny valley and twitchiness. And uh, what was it? If you just look at the sclera of animal eyes, we are the only ones that really have a lot of white. Yeah. That helps us understand who are we talking at and who's talking at us. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm talking at my computer screen. Yeah, I'm talking myself. Just looking at Ew, my face. Gross. And that's another thing that we do. It's something that tends to happen on uh, camera, uh, like when we're doing that camera stuff. Like, and the weird thing is because I have that logic of I know what's picking up my facial stroke. I know it's picking up my face. I know that I shouldn't look at myself. I should look at the camera, which is what I'm doing now. And there's nothing you can do about it. But if I want to catch the occasional glimpse of myself, I can just... I have it set up so that my face is right over, like, just a couple of inches away from the camera. So it doesn't necessarily look like I'm absolutely looking away. But if I want to look at you, Mac, I got to look over here. (laughs) Anyway, we've gotten way off course. Like, I don't even know if we have 20 minutes on this thing. (laughs) We've been Uh, at this for 90 minutes, and we have not gotten 20 out of it yet. Probably not. But, I mean, this one feels like almost ridiculously how weird it is. It feels like, though, Gnomes is a very interesting lead-up because you could realistically have people confusing genuine creatures in existence with what a gnome is, you know? And then you just give them all a little... Give give that little, like, little, like, movement in the the brush. It's a gnome, you know? It's a it's a humanoid with a goat beard. Yeah, you see something off in the distance and you don't have your glasses on today, which is also probably ha- explains so many mythical creatures. It's that or the game or the telephone game. So wait, so what you're saying is these aren't fey creatures then? Uh how we just depicted them, no. Ah, uh, uh, sad Christmas. What are we going to do? Just no, no fake creatures this time. Huzzah! We've done it. After how many episodes where we've, where we could end up defaulting? This is like what the second time since fake creatures were brought up that we didn't have to default automatically. Apparently, yeah. the Gravity Falls gnomes are actually naked mole rats. Ooh, with artificial beards. Seeing Aww. as how they have to, they have to have queens. Or they don't have to, but naked mole rats have queens. Yeah, they have. They're a hive species. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which this could be. Well, if we have it that it's more badger related, then it's they're more uh, solitary. Except they, yeah. the, except they befriend uh, coyotes. Yeah. So what would gnomes befriend? Well, in David the gnome, they befriend foxes. They become their rides. And that's the, that's part of the canine. Uh, genus. Well, that's because David is a veterinarian. Yeah. But I think what's really interesting is what if they, I mean, 
like the other gnomes, they could easily be a hive mind because you never, you rarely see what is in any sort of literature. You rarely see a quote unquote female gnome. So what Smurfs. are they? Uh, Smurfette Smurf. was artificially created by Gargamel. Yep. I know. I'm just saying. Nice like job, Smurfs. Donnie Darko. What? Uh, Donnie Darko. They talk about yeah. that. Yeah. I did not. I've never seen Donnie Darko. So. What? Yeah. I, I I like I was I missed the day that everybody watched it in in the dorms. I missed the day everyone watched Donnie Darko, and I have been behind ever since. Well, Mike, it's not now. Yes, there was a time for it, but you see Donnie Darko at a certain age. Yeah, it, it's well, a chronic thing nowadays where it's like at a certain age, you have. All of a sudden, watch Donnie Donnie Darko. So, but so you're saying that by never having watched Donnie Darko, I've never passed that age. Yes. Oh, so I am forever twenty. So I'm forever nineteen. Yes. Awesome. Especially maturity wise. Burn. Well, I mean that's true. I've never gotten past the mental maturity of a nineteen year old, and I'm okay with that. Anyway, but I mean they still, like I said. They could be a hive species, you know. It doesn't have to be. I, mean, I like the idea of hive species, but you know, all the times that they ever do it in like literature or movies or anything like that, it's they're always like the psychic hive mind. Where yeah. um in uh animorphs, when they uh morph into ants, they yeah. kind of did a really interesting aspect with that. Or the termites, where it's like, Oh, this is my job. Yeah. Like there's no there's no actual uh, like feeling or anything else. It's just that's your job. You go yeah. do that. On that note, I mean, what have we uh, what have we learned today? I can't go too far off the rails because my no. brain doesn't process properly. Probably not. But I mean, honestly, so gnomes don't become trees unless through the same means that we will become trees. Yes, probably. Okay. Plant a seed in my heart. Ah. No, we're but not then... gonna go the we're not gonna go speaker for the dead Pecanino style. We're not going out that way. Oh. But they're they natural. Well, yeah, they're natural for they're not natural for their own species, arguably. Yeah, yeah they they're they're kind of unnatural, but yeah. They were forced to be Yeah. They were forced into naturalness. Yeah, they were forced into it. The at least the the hefty Again, not fully explicit in it, but the hefty theory is that based around what you get in uh, uh, in Children of the Mind is that they were create they were basically forced down an evolutionary path to terraform the planet, which is actually kind of how you'd want. Not talking about that right now, but it's First, you terraform the worms. I, but yeah, I need to yeah. find I need somebody to find me that sci-fi book. There is a book where aliens are ter- trying to come to Earth, and they, they I don't know if they do something to our worms or they put worms into our ground, but they slage, uh, gradually uh, change the Earth, I believe. is the, It's something with aliens terraforming a planet using worms. Huh. So, uh, well, Red Planet with Val Kilmer, genetically engineered uh, algae to terraform Mars. Huh. 
Interessant. Yeah. Uh, it's still stupid. If you want to, if you're terror, if you are coming to a planet that is populated by a bunch of things, there's way easier things. And just than to do that, than to slowly suffocate a species or a, a planet. Yeah. Because it's not even just a species. You're you're slowly suffocating everything. Well, if you have to have the planet in a certain type of parameter. I'm like, yeah, like there. Well, if if it was so many, if there's only certain type of parameters, but you couldn't find any other planet that isn't inhabited. Yeah. But that planet's in such a nice, but that planet's in such a nice solar system, you know, not too far from the neighbors, but still far enough away that you have your own privacy, you know. Hey, they want to gentrify this solar system. <laughs> gentrify the universe. Yeah, they have a moon that's like half the size, which is perfectly the perfect size. Yeah. And it's actually it's random. got a great rotational axis. Yeah. And it's in that habitable zone. Who doesn't want to be in yeah. the habitable zone? Exactly. That's uh, that's always the interesting thing too. It's uh, we ever meet a species that's like drastically, it's so drastically different that we're like, we didn't even think you guys could survive like based off our physics. And then they're like, yeah, we thought you guys were weird too. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh. If you watch the Octopus Lady channel, she just did a video about underwater vents because yeah. the evolutionary or biology theory up until 50 years ago, or maybe it's shorter than that, within like the last 20 to 30 years, um, they realized... Uh, uh, at that, uh, up until then, biology was basically the sun. Everything oh, yeah. comes from the sun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've got these creatures down by these vents that it's an extreme condition. Sun doesn't touch it. They don't get their nutrients from the sun. Chemosynthesis. Yeah, chemosynthesis. Yep, yep, it's neat. Or you have different fish that are in high heat intensity or was extreme it, well extremophiles is basically extremophiles but yeah it's uh so what should we talk about next time so before we actually consider something i just wanted to throw this out as a funny thing okay fast is she fast is she yeah, it's spelled fast, A, C H E E. I was oh. looking. I was trying to find uh, what creature specifically it was that, uh, or what culture built homes for the creatures to watch over their produce or their fields, and somebody posted a picture of this creature. But if you go to the YouTube, I mean, not YouTube, if you go to the wiki page, the page is only one. Uh, no, wait, two sentences. Oh, <laughs> two, two sentences of a Native American creature. As the she is a small all, dwarf known as the little giver who provides corn and medicine. That's Aww. it. And uh, the story is told in the Southeast Woodlands, Seminole and Oklahoma. That's it. Aww. Oh, 
and all that I got at that. The reason I looked that up is because of just this image. Is it the is it the little is it the little guy? Yes, that's the one. Oh, I saw that one too. Look at the little corn that's, guy. That's all. That's all there was. <laughs> it's like, oh, I should raise this up as to research. That would be a fun, really short episode where we're yeah. like, eh? It has wooden arms. Yeah. I mean, but its and, face doesn't look wooden. Looks more wrinkled, but no. But what it looks like is it wears like the corn husk as its the hat and shirt, and its pants are corn husk, corn maize. Yeah, but, but its arms do look wooden. But yeah. if you look at the wrinkles around his face, I would say that's more of a wrink. Is supposed to be a wrinkles Wrinkle. than it is. But that's why I was like, look at his wrist. It looks like he has a crack, but his other yeah. wrist doesn't. That's the only reason why I was oh. thinking wood. But maybe it's like gloves, though it's not the same color as the rest yeah. of his. By the way, not saying you have to do this, Mac. Yeah, no, that's, that's it basically yeah, just a generic little person. As in, unless folk. we Unless we make this one as something that we actually, it's not one that we'll do right away, but this one would be like, getting a hold of somebody, somebody from the native, yeah. native culture who might have more to go on than just the Wikipedia yeah, the two, two sentences. Yeah. yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah, because, yeah, all I can think of a gen- generic little person. Oh, yeah, they're mischievous and they're helpful. And Yeah, we've, we've done plenty of mischievous helpfuls and yeah. plenty of not so mischievous helpfuls. And now we might be dealing with gnomes as a hive mind with their single female queen. All hail the female queen of the gnomes. All hail the queen. Yay. But I, you know, I don't know. What should we talk about next time? Should we go to the book again? Have we talked about furies? Ooh. No, we haven't. That would be, that would be my my idea to toss out if you guys wanted to or i'm okay with that i mean i'm fine with anything if anything then i'll learn more about them because i know i've that's one of those that's like not in my rolodex (laughs) yeah okay so we'll go with furies so with a with a less uh with a we're gonna be very chill we're gonna be very calm while we talk about furies i'm gonna yell at rage out you little bastards a Real Creature Feature is created by Matt Kuklinski, starring Matt Kuklinski, Michael Seaman, and Dean Snow. Any questions, comments, artwork, or general inquiries can be sent to realcreaturefeature at gmail.com. You can view any submitted fan art and pictures on our Instagram at a Real Creature Feature. Some episodes were recorded weeks in advance due to our current sporadic recording schedule. Any comments left will be seen and addressed at some point, and you will be credited unless you tell us you wish to remain anonymous. If you like the podcast, please leave a review on the podcast app that works best for you. It really helps us out. Also, tell your friends, enemies, and total strangers about the podcast. They might enjoy it too, and that can bring us all closer together. One of my favorite things is uh, the YouTube video of Ants Canada. And um, after watching that, 
a couple episodes after watching that channel, one of the things that came into my head is like, what if ants, you know, an ant colony is the creature, not the individual cells? Because you you watch and observe ants, and it's not like the queen actually dictates what somebody else in the colony is supposed to do. And with a, uh, I mean, they do communicate with each other and stuff with pheromones, but uh, what's there's the between pheromones and hormones. Are like I meant that like literally like because isn't that basically how uh, our brain communicates with uh, different organs? Well, yeah, yeah. It's that uh, it's the whole uh, people talking about inside out being like that's not accurate or that's not how. No shit. It's like uh, when you get into talking about human consciousness, then you're sitting there and it's like well. It, it turns into a chicken and an egg thing where yeah. you could have, for example, a woman gets upset at her husband. The emotions rise. Everything gets solved. But she still feels the chemical reactions for that emotion longer than the male does. And so her body is telling you, you're, ups- you're upset. And so- she... And- and for example, she will be upset about something else now or the same thing at a longer time than her husband would. So this is also something that they've been doing a lot of research with, with the whole notion of, do we have free will? This is, oh, uh, if I remember right, basically what it was, was you... Lots of times you will make a decision before you actually have all the information. Like, I mean, like most of the information, like if you ever do any kind of rapid fire things where it's like the decision to do something is being generated before you actually do it. Yeah, that's because I have a week's worth of leftovers. Of course, I'm going to eat that what I have in the fridge. Yeah. And well, that's that's a thing. But too. you where decided I'll- to make. A week's worth of things that I have in the fridge. Before you had actually shopped for those things. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I've made this plan for, I've done this for now since starting work from home. Because it's easier that way. But yeah. But you later on saying, oh, I've got the food in the fridge, so I've got to eat it. Hey, you know there have been days where I've chosen not to eat the food in the fridge, though. You know that. But yeah, it was a lot of the research dealing with the yeah, like they're doing scans and stuff that of people's brains. And like it looks like the decision was like made before uh, a certain time period. And like I can't remember it because this is years since I it was it. it was made seven weeks beforehand. So I, I now have my so all my decisions have been made seven weeks in advance. <laughs> I don't know. I don't you know. That's it, it hurts my brain after a while. Again. Yeah. Well, you know, I have no problem with the concept of I, I have I, I only have a problem with the concept of free will in the sense of then if all of my decisions are predetermined, why am I being punished for what's already been determined? 
Yeah, which, yeah, that's why I was just like, every time I have that kind of argument, it goes one of, you know, two ways. It's either I'm getting my point across or I'm not. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. It's, well, it's the same argument for uh, the stupid simulated universe idea. Mm. What you going to do about it, though? Exactly. It doesn't matter. All you're doing is adding an extra step of it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, unless you can, unless you can, the Matrix style break out of the simulation and manipulate it to your own, to your own devices, it doesn't matter. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm still in the simulation. What does it matter? The simulation's real enough for me until you tell me that, uh, hey, you got an opportunity to break out. Do you want to take it? Then I might be like, sure, but sure, so that I can go to another realm of existence and still have uh shit choices yeah and not have free will hey man yeah but then you get to actually but then you get to see what the machines think tasty weed is yes yeah exactly steak tastes better T steak i don't care it still tastes like steak uh, see, i'm not even a steak eater so that didn't even get me <laughs> but i've already figured out that Everything tastes like chicken because the computers don't understand what everything else tastes like. Yeah, it makes perfect sense now, doesn't it? I don't know. There's I've actually only genuinely had that experience once where I ate something that wasn't chicken and it genuinely didn't taste like chicken or it genuinely tasted like chicken where I'm like, I didn't know that this animal tasted like that. Um, guinea pig. Ah, I've never if had I that. Remember, if I remember, it's also been like, you know. 20 years yeah i can't remember but yeah i had, had guinea pig when i was in it was oh, tough i would imagine taste well you know it tastes like unseasoned chicken so it's like interesting yeah no it's like but that thing is it's like i i don't know man those protein strains those protein strands can only taste you know can only taste so many ways and depending on what the animal's eaten mm -hmm. like i remember back when we were in uh i remember when i in berlin they used to have an annual, like, for people who used to do raccoon hunts, they used to have, like, dinners, and, you know, I used to go with a friend once in a while. Raccoons got a very unique flavor. Red raccoon. Very... The, ter the term gamey, that's where it comes from. Oh, yeah, I don't doubt it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. It's like, because um, most of the time, we don't, as a, like, a not as a hard rule, but, like, most of the time, like, you don't eat a predator, you don't eat an omnivore, because... yeah. They eat meat and meat. And then, like, the thing about the reason why you don't do that is because if they have a disease, we're probably more likely to get it from them. Yeah. Just because of the nature of how things work. They they are collecting all the diseases from the meat. Yeah. So they don't eat polar bear liver. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Don't tell me what to do. Very dangerous. Oh, so just don't want to eat a polar bear. Why would you? I mean... I mean, obviously, like, I want to eat the most endangered animals. Well, you could join in, Darwin. In my quest, in my quest for, uh, in my quest to, uh, in my quest to spend my ill-gotten gains, I'm going to eat only the most endangered of animals. That's one thing I want to go back in time and have is the, is Dodo? the, uh, well, yes, Dodo, definitely, for sure, want Dodo, but, uh, the great tortoise oh uh, for, uh one of the tortoises from uh galapagos yeah galapagos tortoises because 
for I think it was a hundred years, they did not have a scientific name because in order to have a scientific name, it would have to get back to the UK. Oh. And they apparently were so delicious. Oh my God. <laughs> that none of them would last the trip. It's like, it was almost the situation where you saw them and you could not help but think, I'm going to eat you. I'm going to eat you. <laughs> Which it, it's like, it's, it, it makes me think of the creatures from Futurama. The poplars. The, poplars. Not the poplars. Oh, no. I'm talking about the extinct creatures uh, um, who had a target on their belly oh! and would taunt the researchers. Oh, yeah. The strike biologist taunters. Yes. And it's like, shoot us? <laughs> and it's like the tortoises, they don't have that. They just have this. They unfortunately somehow evolved this telepathic ability to say, you know, I'm delicious. It's a pheromone. They release a pheromone that says, I'm tasty. <laughs> I can hold a gallon of water perfectly in one of my organs. So crack me open when you're in the middle of the ocean. Take a swig. Yeah, because it's one of those things. Like, have you ever smelled a cow? They don't smell like cooking steak. No, but hey. So why tortoises do? Apparently. Yeah. And their pheromones are specific to different people. I bet you. Oh, back then, if you were a vegetarian, you smelt a good vegetarian meal coming off those suckers. I'm going to crack you open and eat you now. <laughs> this you, is this is crazy. Well, now now I, I wasn't sure what the epilogue was going to be, but I think this conversation has now become the epilogue. This is a, this is our footnote here for th talking about eating poor the, tortoises. Uh, look, well, not just eating the tortoises. And but, they also I they look like they would taste like chicken. But there was a gastronomic society that would their goal was to eat rare <laughs> creatures yeah they got to get their hands on them before they go extinct you know and, from everyone else eating them and darwin had a tendency of eating rare creatures as well if i remember correctly well, could be wrong and misquoting it but how else is he gonna learn how they evolve yeah 